A lot of people are picking Texas A&M, and rightfully so. They are a talented team, but I don't think people know enough about these Penn State Nittany Lions, and we're going to cross it over to find out just how good Texas A&M actually is. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome in, everybody, to a Locked On Crossover Edition. Chris Gordy here of Locked On SEC, joined by Zach Seiko of Locked On Nittany Lions. As we're looking ahead to some of the uh, tournament games happening this week, and one in particular, one that uh, a lot of people are going, uh, you know, saying this is going to be a really close one, people picking uh, both sides of it. It is the Texas A&M Aggies of the SEC taking on the Penn State Nittany Lions, and nobody better uh, to have talking about the Nittany Lions than Zach. And, of course, uh, I've been able to see A&M in person a couple times this year and have kept up with them and uh, sets up to be a very intriguing matchup Thursday night, late night game if you're on the uh, Eastern time zone or Central time zone. But, Zach, welcome in. Excited to break this down with you. you, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, it'll be a good game. I know Penn State at least is the underdog in Vegas's eyes, but uh, I think this, I believe it or not, is actually a pretty decent matchup for the Nittany Lions just because Texas A&M plays a little similarly, at least from what I've seen, to a lot of the Big Ten teams that Penn State plays in conference all season. Yeah, the interesting thing uh, that both these teams have in common is, you know, they they made some nice uh, postseason runs here in their conference tournaments. And, of course, yep. a and getting to the championship game for the second straight year. Last year they get there and lose to Tennessee. This year they get there and lose to top-seeded Alabama. Uh, for Penn State, I, I don't know how many people had them predicted to run through the uh, Big Ten tournament like they did. Of course, ran into a good Purdue team and came with just two points shy. But uh, give me your thoughts on what you saw from Penn State this past week in conference tournament play. Yeah, I'd say it's quite the uh, roller coaster, uh, at least from Penn State's perspective, because one, there's the ongoing meme. It's like, you know, oh, we're, you know, after a win, we're back. And then after a bad loss, while well, we were never there to begin with, oh, we're so back. Uh, never mind. We were never anywhere close to being a tournament team. Oh, we're way back. We're a tournament team. We never had it. We never stood a chance. So it was it really was this roller coaster of a season for Penn State, uh, especially when they had the, about a four game losing streak in the middle of February. They kind of limped their way through uh, uh, December and January, really, and just didn't. Uh, they they finished where people had them projected in the Big Ten, which was 10th. But uh, the conversation was, okay, is this a team that can get into the NCAA tournament? Because that's what everyone cares about. And and I had episodes when they were on their losing streak. I sold out and said, like, hey, this is not an NCAA tournament team. And in the moment, they weren't. They weren't playing like it. Uh, but then they bounced back. They, they turned it around completely. They won four out of their final five regular season games, picking up, uh, honestly, more surprising wins uh, against teams that I thought they were going to lose to down the stretch. They ended up beating the teams that they were supposed to, and then they had some questionable losses like they did against Rutgers where they were leading by almost 20 points. Um, but they ended up getting those wins against Northwestern and Maryland, both two teams that were fringe top 25, but they ended up getting the win. And then going on the run in the Big Ten tournament the way they did to beat Illinois, to beat Northwestern, both two of which were pro-Illinois and North. Northwestern crowd since this tournament was in Illinois in Chicago and then taking it down to the wire they were down by 16 to Purdue with six minutes left 
kind of like Texas Texas A&M was with with Alabama. They just kind of lost the lead or lost the deficit down the stretch. And Penn State came back, whereas Texas A&M didn't. I know that's the number one Alabama team. Uh, But it it was really surprising that Penn State did have a chance to tie it or even uh, take the lead with about three seconds to go. Uh, They didn't because of a, a travel call, but that's that. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, looking at, at the Penn State team from afar, from my perspective, and then looking at the A&M team. A&M, I think preseason, if people were being realistic with themselves, were not picking this as a, you know, top upper echelon of the SEC team. I think people thought, okay, they got some vets back, they looked good last year, but, you know, yeah. we'll see what Buzz Williams could do. And, you know, I think when you look at what they did in the non-conference, they didn't really play a lot of great opponents. You know, they, they went and played at Memphis and played a hard-fought game, lost by four. But they came out of non-conference play going into SEC play at eight and five. And I don't think anybody kind of looked at them as, you know, a threat. And they get into the SEC and they just start winning. And every week they're winning and winning and winning. And, you know, that included wins at Auburn, which is a tough place to play. They beat Missouri who got into the tournament, they beat them at home and away. Uh, they had big home games against uh, Tennessee and Alabama. You know, Alabama was late in the season at Reed Arena. And they only lost three regular season SEC games at Kentucky, brutal place to play, at Arkansas, tough place to play, and at Mississippi State. So when you look at that, you know, you say, this is an A&M team that has really been battle-tested. They've gotten some wins in some tough places. You know, and then ran through the SEC tournament, like we said, losing to Bama in the SEC tournament championship. But, you know, this is the second straight year they've been able to do that. So, you know, this is uh, – I say they're a veteran-laden team. They have a, a couple of sophomores and, and juniors. But what you're going to find with the a m team is it's a lot, a lot of their key players started elsewhere. You know, one guy started at Duke. One guy started at Virginia Tech. You know, they, they found their way to A&M. And this is a core that was very much together last year – that the core of it is all back, and so they went through all last season together, all this season together, and I think you got you got a dangerous bunch here. And so, um, you know, I think this is going to be a really good game against Penn State, but, you know, what do we always say when it comes to tournament time? Uh, you know, veteran guard play is, is what helps win a lot of these early, early uh, games in the tournament, and A&M has got that. So we're going to see what Buzz Williams' crew is, uh, if they're up to the task. But, uh, you know, I'm a little bit more confident in, they, in A&M, you know, coming out and finishing second in the SEC West. I'm higher on them right now than I am on Tennessee, Kentucky, mm. Auburn, and Arkansas. All very talented teams loaded with probably more four- and five-star talent than I think A&M has ultimately on the roster. But I trust the A&M bunch having to go on the road in uh, you know, a neutral court and pick up tough wins. And so the, in, from that perspective, I think Penn State has a really, really tough battle on their hands. Well, and that's what I mean. I like the the matchup. I just wish we could have gotten it maybe in the Sweet 16 or, or something where because I, I projected, at least for me, I don't do a lot of bracketology. But when I look at a basketball team that wins the SEC regular season and then comes up short in the SEC title game against the, the number one overall team in Alabama, I, I see them as a four seed at the very least a five seed. I was not expecting Texas A&M to somehow be a seven seed. And that was the draw that Penn state was going to get um, because and at first I was like, Oh man, Texas A&M, you know, that's a, that's a team I can see going to the elite eight. Uh, but I sit back and I say, you know, looking at the matchup itself, I mean, this is surprisingly enough because everyone criticizes Penn state for rebounding. They don't have height. 
and Texas A&M. They're physical, they're athletic, but in, in the same case, they don't have their own version of, of a Zach Eady in this case, uh, where someone who's seven foot plus that's just going to uh, rebound circles around Penn State. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to see. And, and, and by the way, Alabama won the regular season SEC. A&M finished okay. you know, just behind them, 25-9 and nine overall. But again, team with the second-best record in the SEC, and they're a seven seed? You're right. They're, somebody didn't like them for, for that to happen, but we'll talk about it as we go along, Zach. But you know what the committee was thinking. They're thinking Longhorns, Aggies in the second round. They want University of Texas <laughs> against Texas A&M in that second round. I got a feeling that's why they dropped the Aggies all the way to a, to a seven seed. But as we continue on breaking down this matchup with Zach Seiko, this is a locked-on crossover edition talking uh, about Texas A&M versus Penn State in the first round of the tournament. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is right, $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet everything that is your favorite in the NBA. The spread, money line, total, your player props, points, rebounds, assists, and so many exclusive bets like the two by three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Continuing on here on our Locked On Crossover Edition. And Zach, as we get into this matchup, uh, just talk a little bit about what Penn State does well, offensively, defensively, what are some of the strengths of this team? Well, there's not too many. At least they've been better defensively because according to Ken Palm or any of the analytical rankings, you look at Penn State and try to protect, project their defense. They don't give up a lot of points, but in terms of defensive efficiency, they are one of the worst in the country. So Penn State's offense is what has gotten them here. Uh, along with some other factors, of course, that uh, for Penn State, it's shooting. You know, the three-point shooting has been key for them. Uh, getting Andrew, you mentioned Texas A&M built from guys who were at different programs to start. Well, that's exactly what Penn State is this year, aside from a, a few other players and some freshmen. As, as far as the veterans go, the team, that the players that lead this team, okay, Seth Lundy, Miles Dredd, those guys have been in the program for quite some time now. Uh, as far as the other key contributors, I think of Andrew Funk, who is that three-point shooter that you're chasing all around the arc, trying to you know make sure that he doesn't get a screen and gets wide open in the corner. He went to Bucknell. Then you have Cam Winter from Drexel. And then the best player on the team, just because he can all around do everything, he can dish it out, he can rebound it, he can score 40 if you need him to, and that's Jalen Pickett, who started at Siena. So at the, at the end of the day, uh, Penn State's like this Texas A&M team where they were built from scratch in some sort of sense this season. But I, ironically enough for both the Aggies and the Nittany Lions, I think why they're in this position is because, yes, they were good players uh, all along, but they needed to build chemistry. And that's very difficult to do at the beginning of the season. You're starting to find out, okay, what works best? You know, where can we put this guy? Okay, we figured out that he's not so much of a two. We actually need him at a three. Uh, just because it's the way that he sets up against competition. And that's what Penn State started to figure out. And, and I think ultimately Texas A&M as well, they just caught fire a little sooner earlier in SEC play. 
But I look back at that schedule for the Aggies and you'll see the losses to Memphis, Boise State, and, and that doesn't – I bet for the committee they probably held that against them, but I honestly don't because they probably had to work out some kinks because Penn State dealt with the exact same thing. The Nittany Lions lost to Virginia Tech once upon a time on a neutral court. And I think that Penn State would beat them. If they played each other 10 more times, I think Penn State would win nine of them. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to see just, you know, the composition of the rosters. And, and you talked a little bit about Penn State there. And you know, I look at A&M and, and really the, the core of what they've had here all season long. It's really a trio. We talk Wade Taylor, who's a sophomore, you know, second-year starter. Henry Coleman, a second-year starter, you know, a junior who came from Duke. And then Tyrese Radford, who came from Virginia Tech, who, uh, you know, has been been with this program for a couple years now. And, and those three guys were kind of the core of the team a year ago, and they're the core of the team this year. And if, if you run through their box scores, you just see so many nights. Wade Taylor is the leading scorer. Uh, you know, either Taylor or Radford are your leading assist guys. And then, you know, Henry Coleman a lot of times is your rebound leader, but the, the guy that's really come on as the season's come along, and I like him a lot, Dexter Dennis is a grad transfer from Wichita State, and we saw in the game against Alabama the other day, he was you know the only guy really doing anything on offense. He finished with 14 points, but um, I, I kind of like how this team is co- is co- composed. You know, what I mean, like it's it's in contrast to Kentucky that you know it's a lot of new guys, four and five star recruits all assembled together, and John Calipari's trying to find all right, what are the right combinations? How do these guys gel? With A&M, you've got guys who are gelling and have played together, um, you know, all last year and this year. And uh, like I said, it's a, it's a veteran bunch, and you know they defend the the rim well. Uh, earlier in the year, they were winning a lot of games, scoring in the seventies and seventies and eighties. As you know, once you get deep into conference play, it gets tougher. Defenses are tougher. You know these teams a lot more because you see them so often. A&M had a lot of wins in the 60s in the last month. You know, they, they found ways to gut out close wins, 69-63, you know, those type of battles. And I wouldn't call them elite defensively, but what they do give is great effort, and that's a, the hallmark of a Buzz Williams team. They're always going to be diving for loose balls, fighting for rebounds, getting physical, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, if, if, if I was a Penn State fan and, hey, who do we need to worry about, I would say the big three of Wade Taylor, Henry Coleman, and Tyrese Radford. Well, I'm actually really interested in just how they plan to use Dexter Dennis. And I know the trademark, you mentioned the trademark is is the fact of effort when it comes to Buzz Williams teams. I rem- always remember, you know, growing up through the, the late 2000s and 2010s, uh, you know, the signature of Buzz Williams was the, the full court press nonstop at, at West Virginia, that from start to finish, uh, you're getting man to man all up and down the floor. Is that the case with this Texas A&M team? Yeah, uh, you'll see that at times. You know, I was at uh, at times. Okay. Yeah, I was at Reed Arena uh, earlier this year. I think it was early in SEC play. They they hosted LSU, and it turns out LSU was just a really bad team this year. They barely won any conference games. But yeah, LSU had a tough time with the press, and so Buzz Williams took advantage of it. He's like, go go stop them from bringing the ball up the court, and uh, they really struggled with it. And you saw a lot of turnovers because of that. So. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see some of that. One other guy I should mention too, Julius Marble, the the uh, several year starter at Michigan State. Um, you know, he's yep. one of their other big starters here, and uh, again, a guy who doesn't necessarily pull down a ton of rebounds, but he does uh, protect the rim well, and he is big and physical, and, and at times can put his back to the basket and go get points. I think only average about nine points this year, but uh, just another factor of a guy that you're going to have to uh, worry about. 
Yeah, I, I'm curious to see. I know that you mentioned Texas A&M is great at protecting the rim, even though they don't have a lot of big guys. I mean, they just they're physical in the fact that they can get to the free throw line. I know that, uh, the, and they make their free throws too. You know, there's a difference between well, they draw fouls, but they're not really good at the stripe. Uh, Texas A&M is just that. Uh, ironically enough, you know, they they don't really shoot as well from the field. Um, they get inside the paint. They can make their layups just like any team can. Uh, but when it comes to threes, they're they're not all that great. How would you say they are at defending the three? Because that's Penn State this is season. Live by the three ball, die by the three ball. Yeah, I think they're they've done a pretty good job of defending it. Um, shooting it. I'm trying to go back and remember. I don't think they've had a ton of games where they've shot a ton of threes. I know Wade Taylor uh, has been a guy who's hit a bunch for him. Radford's hit some. Um, but defending the three, yeah. I, I don't remember any team really – uh, going off against them this year, shooting a ton of threes. So um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they do against uh, against Penn State. Are you thinking maybe that might be a little bit of Penn State's mo that they want to come out and flaming from from deep? I mean, that's just what they do. At one point in the season, they were number one at three-point attempts. They were number one at three points made. They're still in the top ten when it comes to that. Uh, Seth Lundy and Andrew Funk statistically are the uh, best shoot, three-point shooters in all of the country in terms of the analytics, uh, just the way that they're able to, the way that they're just able to fling it. So uh, I, I'm curious to see because Penn State has relaxed the pace a little bit. They they're just a more offensively conscious team. They don't like to run up and down the floor. You know try to get as many possessions in the game as possible because they're not like a Gonzaga. Everyone thinks that, well, they shoot a lot of threes, so they must go in transition quite a bit. From time to time, they do. I've seen it where they almost set it up uh, intentionally where they'll do it uh, they'll they'll do it subtly. They'll come up the court, they'll push the pace just a little bit and try to get Andrew Funk on the wing and, and open him up in one of his more comfortable spots, which seems to be the right side. Uh, he likes the right side wing a lot. Uh, but they won't do that very often. They don't do a lot of in-transition threes. They like to s- try to pass the ball around, do some inside-outs, uh, set a lot of screens to try to open some guys up, and then get more favorable matchups. And then Jalen Pickett and the, I don't know if you saw this coin phrase, uh, Illinois in the press conference because they were so upset that they lost to Penn State three times this season. Uh, they said, well, uh, their go- one player, Jalen Pickett, likes to play booty ball, so we'll just give them that. <laughs> and it, it it's like, hey, you couldn't stop it. So uh, I, I want. I wonder how, because Jalen Pickett does use his body, use his frame. Penn State can be just as physical. They've moved uh, essentially Miles Dredd, who is a six foot four small forward, and played him at the five because he's a bigger body. I think he weighs 240, 250. So he's honestly like a defensive end in this case, and he doesn't move when uh, other other teams in the Big Ten with their six foot eleven, seven almost practically seven foot, like a Hunter Dickinson, for example, and, and Miles Dredd has shown that he's been able to hold his own in those instances. So, um, in terms of the phys, I feel like Texas A and M is going to have a little more physicality that Penn State's been prepared for. But I got to imagine it's a little different in the SEC. All right, moment of truth here in just a second. Zach and I will make our predictions for this one. All right, finishing up our Locked On crossover, Zach Seiko of Locked On Nittany Lions, Chris Gordy here of Locked On SEC. We're previewing 7-seed Texas A&M taking on 10-seed Penn State. 
Zach, I'll go first. I think, uh, again, I'm buying into the stock of this Texas A&M team. I could be wrong. Look, a 10 over a 7 seed will get you a nice little early upset in in your bracket. So not going to hate on anybody who takes Penn State, but I've just been a believer in this A&M team and what Buzz Williams has built uh, on guys he's uh, recruited and and built around on top of the transfers that have all come in and, and played well. I'm picking Texas A&M in this one. I think a little bit lower scoring. I've got them winning 70-64 to and A&M advancing. i got to think you're picking the Penn State Nittany Lions. It's tough, though, because like I said, I really I, I am a believer in Texas A&M as well, uh, coming out of the non-conference play and just kind of keeping up because I want progressively I've gotten since Penn State's better. Uh, it's a lot more fun to to look at all of college basketball rather than it's like, I you know, these teams are good and I hate that Penn State's not good. You don't have that problem this season anyway. Uh, so seeing that they were projected to be at the bottom of the SEC and then you kind of blink and then all of a sudden the Aggies were at the top of the conference. Uh, it, it it was really surprising to me as well. So I, I just personally like the matchup for Penn State. Uh, if this was a team that couldn't handle the physical pressure, if this was a team that had a little more height, uh, I think that Penn State would lose by double digits. Um, but I like the way that they've had other players emerge for them. This used to be such a one-dimensional team and the fact that they only had two or three options on a given night. Now it's you're getting those fourth and fifth options involved, and Penn State can honestly go nine guys deep in, in this kind of game where they you feel confident with any combination of five they put on the floor. So I know that Texas A&M is a very one of them. One of them has to lose out. I know that some people at Penn State in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Some people at Texas A&M in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. I'm going to go Penn State here, and I say something along the lines of 66 to 64. I, I think Penn State shooting overall and Micah Shrewsbury's coaching will, will get the job done here. And since uh, since Texas A&M doesn't have one of those uh, egregious advantages over Penn State, they seem pretty neutralized just with the things that Penn State struggles with. That's why I'm going with the Nittany Lions here. Yeah, and just to, to kind of look ahead, if we could, I teased it earlier, but a lot of people are, at least the committee, they're hoping for a Longhorn Aggie, you know, round of 32 game with Texas and Texas A&M advancing. And, and look, Rodney Terry's done a fantastic job as the interim coach at, at Texas. they got some great players. Dylan DeSue's been, been fun to watch all year long. But, man, would it be fun to see the committee get spoiled and see the toothpaste Colgate upset Texas in round one and see Penn State beat A&M, and you get a Penn State-Colgate matchup in round two. Look, I think that's benefit Penn State. And so, look, if, if you think this could happen, Penn State is going to the Sweet 16, and it's not that crazy to, to think of a scenario where that could happen. So just want to give uh, the Nittany Lion fans out there a little, uh, a little hope of something that very well yeah. could happen this week. Yeah, and I know Texas is a, and uh, Texas is coming off that big win against Kansas. I mean, that was it wasn't a two point win. It was uh, it was a shellacking in the championship game, and something that I, I thought with Chris Beard, you know, being fired and all the distractions, that this Texas team would fall off, and they never really did. So it's it's not an ideal matchup in the second round if Penn State, uh, when I'll speak it into existence, when they make it to the second round. And Zach, as we wrap up, obviously want to thank all of your listeners for making Locked on Nittany Lions their first listen every day. All of our listeners are Locked on SEC making us their first listen every day. But if anybody's looking for another listen, their second listen this week that they could make, 
go check out the Locked On College Basketball uh, podcast. Uh, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton do a fantastic job talking all things college hoops. And so you definitely want to go check them out. If you're filling out your bracket, look, you got to do a second and third draft, right, before you finalize things. Go check out those guys with Locked On College Basketball doing a great job available on YouTube or ever get your podcast. Uh, Zach, it's been fun, man. Fun crossover and uh, go Nittany Lions and go Aggies, right? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to a great game and and for people to have the best brackets possible because I know that I've ripped up a, a couple. I finally got a champion right. It was Baylor two years ago, so uh, I, I'm I'm hoping more so that I can get a better bracket. But it, it's Nittany Lions are here for the first time in 12 years, so it, it feels pretty good over here up in State College. Thanks to all of our listeners, and uh, we'll be back on our own podcast tomorrow right here on Lockdown.